Welcome to the Pretty Powerful Podcast, where powerful women are interviewed every week to share real inspiring stories and incredible insight to help women or anyone break the barriers, be a part of innovation, shatter the glass ceiling, and dominate to the top of their sport, industry, or life's mission. Join us as we celebrate exceptional women and step into our power. And now, here's your host, Angela Gennari. Hello, and welcome to the Pretty Powerful Podcast. My name is Angela Gennari, and today I am sitting with Bianca D'Alessio. How are you, Bianca? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here with you today. So Bianca has such an impressive story, and in full transparency, I met her through a CEO network that we belong to, and she has just impressed me from day one. So I can't wait for you guys to meet her. So Bianca was born and raised in New York and currently manages over $10 billion, with a B, <laughs> in pipeline and active new development sales inventory for Nest Seekers International founder of the master's division and managing director for nest seekers development marketing bianca has handled the pre-construction advertisement and sellouts for many amazing properties throughout new york Mm -hmm. prior to her career in real estate bianca was traveling around the world and later transitioned into a nonprofit position focusing on leadership development communication and behavioral training workshops for women across the united states As an avid volunteer and advocate for women, Bianca regularly facilitates workshops in New York on topics such as opening a bank account, establishing and using lines of credit responsibly, household budgeting, and navigating the financial aid process. She also serves on the Alumni Advisory Board for her alma mater, Babson College in Boston. During her time at Babson, Bianca packed a suitcase and moved to Auckland, New Zealand for six months where she enrolled at the business school at the University of Auckland. She then spent the next three months living in China, Russia, and India, studying the entrepreneurial ecosystems and political spheres that affect business in the emerging emerging markets. Wow. It's a mouthful. That is so much. So, I mean, you're so impressive. But I just do want to point out also, the Master's Division is quickly established as one of the top producing teams in the industry, Mm -hmm. so much so that a television show picked you up. (laughs) Yes, there's that too. (laughs) There's that little piece of the puzzle, which is selling the Hamptons, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. So, I mean, I'm also sitting here with a television reality star. (laughs) How cool is that? So, um, and then one last major accolade. Bianca was ranked in the top 20 residential brokers of 2020 by The Real Deal, and she has been featured in publications such as Forbes, Entrepreneur, Medium, and The New York Times, and The Real Deal. So, wow, you are so incredible. Thank How do you, you find time to sleep and eat and do anything normal? <laughs> because <laughs> you have your hands full. <laughs> I, I definitely have my hands full. Uh, yeah. I'm working on the sleeping thing yeah. in full yeah. transparency, uh, and uh, all of my meals are with on the go. On the go. <laughs> <laughs> but it works. It's uh, working. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So all of this that you're doing and tell me how you started the master's division and what kind of led you yeah. down that path of kind of taking your own little piece of that real estate mm-hmm. pie because mm-hmm. you're with this, you know, impressive organization, this mm-hmm. brokerage that mm-hmm. is amassed this incredible collection. And then you start the master's division. So tell me about that. So I started in real estate about eight years ago now. Wow. So it's only, wait, what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You've done all of this. (laughs) My team is only actually 18 months, less than 18 months old. Wow. So it's all happened very quickly. Uh, but I started in real estate my first year in real estate. Um, 
was after I worked for a non-for-profit. That year, I made $13,000 selling real estate. I did not think I was going to make it too far Uh on the real estate journey, solely based off of commissions. Right. Um, I've worked since then for a number of very you know, incredible agents and on multiple different teams and multiple different brokerages. And I was finding that the common theme between everyone that I worked with and for and around was that they were building their business for themselves and their brand and their name. And when, after having different partners and different avenues, I decided, uh, I want to empower people. I want to help them grow their brand and I want to build something much bigger than just myself and one individual person so I founded my team instead of calling it my name the master's division to give everyone on my team that I bring on a platform to use the collective we the brand that we've built to build their own individual unique brand based on whatever arena of real estate business they want to enter and so we've grown from me and a partner a Christian who's been with me since day one Uh to we're now 30 licensed real estate agents and six uh social media and marketing team members. That's so so <laughs> wow, that is so incredible. Thank what you. What huge growth in just a short time. Thank you. You are really hustling out there. So, and I love that you did that, you know, and you were you were thoughtful enough about the process and you're like, I don't want them to build my business and my brand. I want them to build their business and their yeah. brand. And so you allowed that because I mean, most of the real estate groups that I know of are named after whatever real estate agent Correct. founded that group, right? Correct. And so you're working under that name mm-hmm. and it's hard for you to build your own name under mm-hmm. that, right? And Absolutely. so you're giving you're giving such a gift to the people who are working with you, and I'm sure that they realize that. Thank you. I, what I've found is that as you get more success in real estate, when you work for just one person with one name, uh-huh. you eventually leave. So right. the life cycle of your business is going to be much shorter because people want to grow their own brand. Right. And so just trying to think ahead, I'm very young in my career. Yeah. How do I keep people for a longer ter- time? Yeah. And that's by empowering them. Oh my gosh, I love it. And I, I have no doubt that a lot of this comes from all of your experience in traveling and going other places and Absolutely. seeing other things. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not in this like sheltered world where you're like your own, you're, you're in your own community too mm-hmm. much where you've, you've now overvalidated yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you actually have real experience from all of these incredible places that you can bring in and say, this is how I can build the ideal real estate company. So well, thank you. That is incredible. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So you also have this reality show that Mm -hmm. has come on board and so tell me how that whole thing transpired um so I never envisioned myself on TV or Uh definitely not on reality TV right (laughs) um but as you know at post COVID my business shifted a lot Uh, I think most people think of real estate and they think of it to be super localized yes um, because of my travel experience, I wanted to expand geographically and COVID gave me the opportunity to follow my clients as they left New York city. Wow. So I expanded into the Hamptons markets and into different suburban markets. And, uh, from that, at the same time I was growing my team, mm. uh, and they were looking to cast a strong, powerful female team leader. You uh, are that. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and um, it's been an incredible journey ever since. <laughs> yeah. And how has that impacted your business? So in terms of exposure and branding, I mean, the, the power of marketing and reach yeah. um, and having a platform for my clients and for my brand and for my yeah. listings and for my building is it's invaluable. And being able, being able to be on HBO right. is just tremendous exposure that yeah. you, I would not be able to get 
I mean, unless I was on a TV show. I was about so. to say, you can't even pay for that kind of exposure. Exactly. That's incredible. <laughs> That's, wow. What a huge blessing that is. Thank you. So, okay, so you get this reality show, and mm-hmm. we all know that with reality shows comes good and bad, right? Like, Correct. this is transparency, mm-hmm. brutal, brutal, honest transparency mm-hmm. is pretty much what it becomes, is people get to get into your life. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I do know one little piece of this is that, you know, you felt like you needed to get a story out before the media, the media got ahead of a story. Mm-hmm. So tell me about that. So... Um, Five, well, in 2017, my father was convicted of a financial fraud. Mm. Uh, he, I, I was an investor in his projects. He was a real estate developer in New York City. Mm-hmm. It's very much connected to my industry and yes. what I'm doing, and it was very close to me. Um, and when we were filming the show, I knew that this is something, it had been in the news, and then it became old news because... Yeah. Things tend to be, you know, <laughs> very course. buzzworthy, and then they just completely fall off, which is great. I was right. happy it fell off, and I knew that was going to resurface. And truthfully, it's something that has always been so core to um, what has driven me. Right. <laughs> and, you know, just uh, that's just very big on who I am as a person is, you know, overcoming adversity yeah. and resiliency. Um, and so... I, it shapes me anyway. I just was never comfortable talking about it. Right. And through the show, I was able to almost liberate myself from what felt like a black cloud that had been following me. Yeah. And I was, I was always nervous when it was going to creep up again. Yep. Um, and it has, yeah. you know, through different pitches and meetings with developers, you know, like, oh, it's the elephant in the room. Right. Uh, right. And so being able to actually talk about it on a large scale and, become more empowered by my journey and my experience and what it's taught me. It was, it was tragic and it was terrible when it happened. It still is, but it has shaped who I am and it has made me be more intentional, um, and be, you know, really true to my values in the way I lead my team and my business. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a great lesson in public relations, right? So if you have a story and the media gets it first, Mm -hmm. you know, whoever gets to the race, you know, whoever, whoever wins the race tells the story, Mm -hmm. right? So if you can get ahead of it and you can say, this is what happened, this Mm -hmm. is how it impacted me. Then when the media gets a hold of it and they're going to be like, yeah, we know, like, it's not a big deal. We, and we know how it, like, but, but otherwise it's not a scandal, right? Exactly. And so, mm-hmm. like, if, if you de-scandalize it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. and you're like, you know what, I'm going to take the power back from this, because yep. this is my story, mm-hmm. good or bad, it is what I, I had to overcome, and I don't want this to haunt me, so I'm going to get ahead of it. And so I think that that's really um, admirable, that you, you that you had the courage to go up and say, this is the story, and this is what it is. Mm-hmm. And so... That's that's huge. Thank you. And I probably a lot of reason why that why your team trusts you so much because transparency I have found has led me down the right path mm-hmm. more than anything. In my twenties, I was always so afraid of like I don't want anyone to know I didn't grow up with a bunch of money and mm-hmm. I didn't want anyone to know that I didn't you know do this and this and this. And mm-hmm. so I was so afraid of people's perception of me. Yes. And then when I started owning it, the connections became so much deeper. The you know like I grew up with a single mom we Mm -hmm. didn't have a lot of money and you know what it's made me who I am today so it's not something that I'm ashamed of it's not something that I feel you know that I can't overcome I've overcome way worse than what people put you through Uh, totally and I think it's it's 
having that authentic nature when you tell yeah. that and finding your voice through that because we learn so much yeah. through life's darkest, scariest moments. 100%. It shapes who you are as a person mm-hmm. and most people just cast it aside and don't want to talk about it. But if you own that, if you yeah. really own that, people they want to hear more about it because they've gone through the same thing and they just don't have the courage or the confidence yes. or the network to talk about it themselves and you're giving them that and yeah. that's powerful. Right, right. <laughs> and it's amazing how many of us, I, and this is something I say on my podcast all the time, is that our commonality is not in the successes that we have, it's in the struggles, right? 100%. Commonality is in the struggle. We have all struggled. Whether you are a billionaire's child or you know, you've grown up on the streets, it doesn't matter. We have all struggled and that is our commonality, not success. Absolutely. I could not agree with that more. So, you know, that's something that I think the more we give ourselves permission to talk about, mm-hmm. the more we will find that those connections get deeper and that the trust amongst our team gets better. Absolutely. And so yeah, building a team and being a leader I think requires that that level of transparency. I completely agree. So, okay, so now you're in your real estate journey (laughs) and, you know, you're conquering the Hamptons market, Mm -hmm. you're conquering New York. And so tell me what it's like now that, you know, we're up and down with these crazy interest rates and, you know, it's booming and then it's dead Mm -hmm. and then are people mortgaging things anymore and is everybody who's buying our houses from China? Like, you know, like there's a million things. So much volatility, Right, and so like what is that like to live in this, you know, do, are you predicting the market or is it just whatever happens, happens? Like, oh, how, no. tell me how this works. That's how my career started. Whatever uh-huh. happened, happened. And that's uh-huh. how most brokers live. They live deal to deal, wow. never knowing when is the market going to shift. And I've always right. said in the beginning of, tr- truthfully, until very recently, mm. and I still stand by this, but the market moves in waves. And when you feel right. a wave of momentum, you ride it as hard as you can. Like if that yes. means like you don't take a day off because it will crash. Every yes. wave crashes. Yes. And it will change like this. And then you don't have time to recalibrate and you don't know. I mean, 2020 was going to be my greatest year ever uh-huh. until March happened. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then I lost $40 million of deals between March wow. and June. Completely fell out of contract. Money was lost. Oh my God. And so now it's restarting all over again. And listen, will that happen again? I don't hopefully not COVID, but the market shifts all the time. We're feeling a very similar impact with interest rates as we go up and down. So I always talked about riding waves of momentum. Now the way I look at my business is how do I build a a market-based recession-proof business? And the way I've done that is through diversifying the markets I serve and the asset classes I'm in and the way I'm growing my team. Okay. So we've been able to grow to, we've expanded outside of New York City into multiple geographic markets. Yeah. I now have the absolute pleasure of working on projects throughout Europe because wow. I've created a, a niche in the development marketing space where I can oversee strategy, marketing, and positioning for buildings that we're building, condo buildings we're building in Italy wow. throughout the UK. And so I get to have a much bigger business pipeline and reach and market a global market knowledge um and then i'm constantly recruiting and bringing people onto my team that Mm -hmm. service different sectors and price points of the market so you know (laughs) people i'm i'm sell 40 million dollar homes but my team will also take on a two thousand dollar a month rental because we believe in the value of the client and the relationship and growing with someone and i think when you have that mindset i see so many people say that's not worth your time or that's not worth your Mm -hmm. time my team will service any business that comes our way with the utmost responsibility and care because we want to build that lifelong relationship because 
It's a referral-based customer service Absolutely. industry. Absolutely. And a $2,000 a month rental mm-hmm. may very well turn into a $40 million purchase. 100%. Yeah, you just <laughs> never know what trajectory somebody is going to be mm-hmm. on. And if they trust you in the beginning mm-hmm. and you have shown them respect and you haven't blown them off, then they're even more reason that they're going to stay loyal to Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. I love this. So, okay. So, <laughs> uh, tell me a little bit more. When you get into real estate and you start going from market to market, state to state, and even into Europe, mm-hmm. how hard is that? Like, do you have to get new broker licenses? Mm-hmm. Like, are you having to reapply? So, under the Nest Seekers umbrella, we are an international firm. Okay. So, I run the largest team at the Nest Seekers International, which is our brokerage. Uh, So we have the ability, we have to get new licenses and Mm. apply with uh, international laws for is each that really region difficult? that we work in. It is not easy. Yeah. <laughs> different countries have different processes. Right. They also have different brokerage models. Oh, so as we've entered new markets, we've had to learn, you know, in the UK, their agents are based on a, a salary. Oh. We don't have salary-based agents here. So that was a huge disruptor yeah. to that market. The same with Portugal. And most recently, we just entered Milan and we're going into Mexico. Um, but... I always partner with a local team. So I have local agents who understand and know how to sell the, the real estate and speak the language. Yes. Because unfortunately, I don't speak that many languages. Yeah. Uh, but what I have found in the development space mm-hmm. and specifically in the luxury markets is that a luxury buyer who owns a penthouse in New York City yes. is vacationing in the Mediterranean, mm. <laughs> is has their home in London, has a secondary home in London. Right. And so following the circuit of that client, But then from a development perspective, a lot of my business is working with real estate developers from day one when they acquire land. Right. I help them build the building and then I sell it. And that is all about uh, bringing a business mindset for how do you bring a product to market. Yeah. And geographically, sure, there's different cultural things you need to be aware of, but sure. it's positioning, strategy, and marketing. Just like any other business. Like any so other business. It's, just, it's brilliant, though, because in real estate, everybody looks at real estate as like different than other businesses. But yeah. really, you're coming at it with a business mindset of, no, we're, we're running a business here. It's not just a real estate broker. We're not just showing houses. We're helping to position for mm-hmm. growth like yep. you would sell a company, yep. right? So it's no different than I'm going to make sure that you are positioning position to be able to sell your building at top market rate mm. an entire building and so you strategically develop it as if it's a business that is exactly it that I is that, that is our core competency bringing business to buildings yes mm-hmm. very cool thank you so okay so you're going into this have you okay so with your father being in was he in finance or real estate he was in real estate he was a real estate developer okay so did you learn a lot of these these kind of methodologies from him or have you developed this through your own travel a lot of the methodology methodologies and the strategy and the pricing i have learned over yeah, time right. i've worked on nearly 60 new development buildings wow. from start to finish which is a lot in That's that a lot. period of time <laughs> um, but what i did learn from him was the attention to detail yes. and the difference of materials and the way to build oh, so i grew yeah. up watching him my from before i could walk like yeah. on job sites wow. studying floor plans i mean we always had blueprints on our dining room table um and so really having uh, a deep passion for real estate Mm -hmm. i thought because of that i never wanted to go into it because i wanted to pave my own way (laughs) um (laughs) and do it all on my own Uh, but i found after working in other industries i made my way back because um 
there was it was just it could have been so much bigger than I perceived it growing up. Right. With working with people, building a team, and uh, having the ability to to work on projects, you know, really big projects. That's amazing. I love it. So, so when you're going into a building, let's mm-hmm. just say somebody calls you and says, we're going to be, you know, we, we just bought this land. Mm-hmm. Do you start with them from the beginning, from the blueprint phase and mm-hmm. say, this is what's going to sell? Or do you come in later? So we do both. I prefer to come in in the beginning yeah. because then we could take a very strategic approach. So okay. from the beginning, we will come in and we will say, okay, let's put together our market research. Yes. Where's the building located? Mm-hmm. What's currently on the market? What is selling really well? Yeah. What is not selling? Right. And what is going to be slated for the pipeline for when we anticipate completion? So what will be our competition set for when we're completed three, four, five years from now? Because that's how long it takes to build these buildings. So studying all of that, Mm -hmm. then we will look at uh, unit mix, what absorption rates are Mm -hmm. based on should we be, what's the highest and best use of this building? Where should the commercial be? Where should the amenity spaces be? What Mm. amenity spaces should we be building? Uh, What should the bedroom count look like? And then actually designing. This is the marble we should use. Yeah. This is, you know, (laughs) the size that the bedroom should be. The closet should be a Mm. walk-in, but you need to have a double vanity in the set. So we look at all of that. Wow. Uh, And then we use that to understand, from the market research, we know who our target market is. Is Mm -hmm. it going to be families? pied-a-terre buyers um is it a bachelor neighborhood right um for how we design and brand and market the same way you would with a product yeah absolutely Um, and that's what makes it so fun because every building is so different yeah so we have our way you know we've we've streamlined the way we bring a building to market but the the marketing strategy for every single building is drastically different from the last one because the target market and the product is going to be different Wow. Okay. That's fascinating. You never knew so much went into <laughs> no, it, right? Yeah. That's incredible. Okay. So then, so you have this building, it comes mm. to market and now you hit a roadblock like, you know, COVID or mm-hmm. interest rates or something like mm-hmm. that. Do you change strategy or do oh. you just go with it? No, a hundred percent change strategy. So yeah. that's, I would say the secondary business. A lot of times, yeah. if I'm not involved in the beginning, it's mm-hmm. normally a takeover a building oh, that wow. had come to market with another brokerage, mm. it's sitting stale and they won't pivot strategy. Ugh. You have to pivot. Yeah. Um, so every conversation I have with my clients is what is the goal? Yeah. And then we develop the strategy to get there, right? Yeah. If yeah. there's a bank and we need to pay off a bank and you have a loan on the building, let's make sure we hit that benchmark sales yeah. so we can get the bank off our back. Right. And then we can figure, change course afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way we implement that is through different pricing techniques yeah. and through different marketing campaigns mm-hmm. and the way that we're spending our ad dollars right. on, you know, if this is we know that this is a younger buyer what does our social media strategy look like versus if yeah. we know that this is a foreign buyer are we taking this br- building and hmm. doing a road show with it are we setting up a sales office in our london office so we could be selling our new york city project in london yeah so every building is is different wow that's fascinating really Thank i had no you. idea so yeah, much went into this <laughs> this is incredible i love this conversation okay so do you find that there's more foreign bar- buyers now in the united states with the interest rates being high because they can come in with cash yeah definitely um there was obviously a very big drop off and then borders opened back up open and now we're feeling a much bigger influx of buyers but i think all in all um 
there's a lot the, the media is really funny yeah. I, like with anything oh right? I know <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think there's so much hype for what is happening around interest rates right. but the reality is is because I service so many markets and I am boots on the ground right we feel real time data and trends before the news reports it mm. and the market is much much stronger really? than the media is perceiving it to be I think people are expecting a correction or a crash and yeah. the reality is is that this January was the strongest month that I've seen in my whole real estate career. Really? Which shows that interest rates have somewhat leveled off. Yes, of course, they're higher. Sure. But they've come back down, and this is a very healthy interest rate level for the market to bear, where we're seeing, we're starting to see an equilibrium between buyers at this price point, at these levels, and interest rates. So it's a healthy signs. That's good. That's good, because I know everybody's panicking about, you know, the impending doom of maybe a recession or whatever. (laughs) But, you know, the media loves to Mm -hmm. hang on to those, the doom and gloom, because that's what gets... Sound bites, right? Yeah, that's what gets people (laughs) to pay attention. Mm -hmm. And and when you're like, no, we're rocking out 2023. I don't know what you guys are experiencing. They're like, shh. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're talking about right now. That's not the story we're telling. (laughs) We need you to get on board. Um, So tell me a little bit more about when you are out there and you're building your team, what are you looking for in somebody who wants to go into real estate? I'm looking for someone who is coachable. Uh Uh-huh. Coachable uh, is important. It is so important. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I say to, I say you don't have to have any real estate experience. Right. I will teach you everything, but yep. you have to be coachable and yes. you have to want to learn and you have to be hungry. Mm. Um, and the more my team is growing and expanding, uh, I am, you know, I think I take for granted work ethic because yeah. it's just like so core to me. It is not so intrinsic in other people so you and me both girl (laughs) I hear you that's something that's taken me a little Mm -hmm. bit of time to figure out and now um I've like moved that to the top of my list of when I'm looking to hire uh you have to have that burning fire in you because if you do you are unstoppable yeah a hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, a hundred percent agree with that. I, you know, I tell the story, and and I and I've told it to her, and she's amazing. So I have a I have a, a woman that I hired as my sales and marketing coordinator in my office, and when I gave I gave seven people the opportunity to come in and interview for this position, and some people had great experience, and I said, do you want to do a Zoom or do you want to do in person? She's the only one of the seven that wanted to come in person, yeah. and when she showed up in person, she had a full suit on, had a copy of her resume, and I was like, you have been raised so yes. well thank you, you know how thank your parents <laughs> thank your parents for me and then during the interview you know talking and she's you know very well spoken just brilliant amazing girl and she says um she's like you know I just want the opportunity to prove myself and oh. I was like done done, done and done, done. <laughs> like I, and you know what she has blown it out of the water oh, what we thought was going to be an entry-level position and just a salary position she is now like she has convinced like I am giving her commission because I'm like you need to be more incentivized mm. because you are doing such a great job that I just want to pay you more. I, I want to pay you more I money. love that. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, amazing. And she's so, lucky to have yeah, you. Well, thank you. <laughs> but, but you know, she's, she's one of those where work ethic, I tell yeah. you what, of, of the six people who wanted to do a zoom in their pajamas so that they yeah. could hang out at their house and not have to go and put any yeah. effort in. Yeah. 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 yeah totally. <laughs> no, no, I, you. and I say that to all the time when I talk to people and when I talk to my team, I am not going to be the smartest person in the room. Yeah. I was not book smart. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and I sit yeah. in a room with the biggest real estate developers and the biggest financial institutions. I don't even know some of the words they're saying sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But what I do know is when I leave that room, 
I will outwork every single person. Mm -hmm. I will teach myself everything I didn't know. And I will prove that I am deserving of that seat at the table. A hundred percent. I love that. (laughs) Thank you. All right. So tell me, I want to pivot a little bit. So Mm -hmm. what, who inspires you or what inspires you? Who inspires me? Um, I'm incredibly inspired by my mother. Mm. She is, uh, has been a single mother pretty much my whole life. Yeah. She works at, she's not only just a phenomenal mother, she's a phenomenal businesswoman. Wow. And she just absolutely crushes it. And she's amazing. Uh, I'm inspired truthfully by everyone in my family. My family is super important to me. Yeah. uh, And they're the reason that motivates me and keeps me going. Mm Um, and then I'm inspired by other cultures and by other just people like hearing stories just like it gives me energy of there's so much positive amazing people in this world that don't have the opportunity to share their story or to reach their full potential because someone doesn't believe in them or life circumstance or their voice just maybe has been taken from them but like they're fighters and they're strong and those people inspire me yeah yeah, you know, we were talking before this about the podcast mm-hmm. and about, you know, how important it is to have, find your tribe, yes. right? Find your find your tribe of supporters mm-hmm. that, you know, we may have nothing in common other than we're all just crushing it yeah. and <laughs> we're, we're sometimes fighting tooth and nail and, and we're in different levels of success or different levels of struggle, but we have shared trauma and the struggle, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so like there is something to that of find your tribe of people who believe mm-hmm. in you and whether you're, you're very worse mm-hmm. or you're very best, they still believe that in your potential, like find those people, find them totally. and surround yourself with them. So tell me a little bit more about giving your power away and taking your power back. So (laughs) I am sure, you know, you've done this before because anyone building a business has done Mm -hmm. this and anyone in, uh, in life Mm -hmm. as women, we very often give our power away, you know, whether it's taking criticism from someone who, you know, we should have stood up for Mm -hmm. ourselves or giving credit to somebody who didn't deserve that credit Mm -hmm. or, you know, letting somebody take something from Mm -hmm. us. Tell me about a time that you gave your power away Mm -hmm. and then maybe another time that you stepped into that power. Mm. So uh, following COVID, uh-huh. uh, I made a, a change where I wasn't starting, I didn't start this team that I was on now, but uh-huh. I did start another venture and I had other partners in that venture. And I was very okay with being number two or number yeah. three in the group. Um, and my enthusiasm and my passion and my overt eagerness uh, became a threat. Really, the other people, the other men (laughs) that I was surrounding myself with. Um, And they very quickly realized that I was going to, or or were threatened that I was going to overtake um, their position or their role. And even though I have very clearly said, I'm okay with being number two. I recognize this here and I'm okay with it. Um, And I was having, started having conversations of this is just not okay treatment. And I was like, am I really going to put myself in a box to make someone yes. else feel bigger? Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> no, I yeah. wasn't. And so I'm very happy I got out of that, what was supposed to be a partnership and was not. Uh, and it it created where I am today and my team today. Yes. Um, and the structure and the lack of hierarchy that I currently have on my team. Mm-hmm. Um because you have to be around like-minded people who have the same values when you're building your business. Yeah. The things that are most important to me 
is loyalty. I grew up in a yeah. very Italian family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stereotypes are right. not. Loyalty is right. important. Loyalty is important. Uh, everyone I bring my, around, you know, I would do anything for them. Yes. Um, and I know that most people wouldn't do that for me, but my partner <laughs> yes. very much feels that way. And I think that's super important and shows your character. Yes. Um, especially as, you know, you're helping build people up so much. Right. You know, the, your your motives can change. And oh, I yeah. think if you're intrinsically loyal, that at least, you know, circumvents some of that. Um, but I also believe in in giving people the tools and the resources um, to prove you wrong. You know, mm-hmm. like give them everything. Yeah. Hope that they won't. But that shows their character, not mine. Right. And I don't want to lead with like... Don't, you know, I'm going to hide this from you or I can't share this with you because I'm nervous that there's enough money to go around for everyone. There's enough business for everyone. Agree. And everyone has a different path and a different level of success that they want. And they're going to achieve that through hard work. They shouldn't be put down um, just because threatened by them yeah so yeah, i agree oh i love it so yeah i actually have um the loyalty thing is important in your right i mean you ha- you got to give people the tools to do things the right way and if they choose to do them the wrong way and this is one thing that i tell my team all the time like well how are you why are you giving this much information out and why are you giving them these resources they can use them against you if they leave i'm like well then that's their karma not mine right totally. and so like i'm a big believer is i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you full transparency mm-hmm. and you're gonna have full access to me yeah. and everything that i have mm-hmm. and if you decide to do wrong by it then lesson learned but mm-hmm. i'm not going to do differently oh. right because oh. i i want to make sure <laughs> <laughs> because that's your karma that's not my karma yeah. you know and, and i'm going to continue to trust that people will be innately good and if you if you were not trusting in your nature like yeah. it immediately creates an environment with everyone else that they can't trust you right yeah 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 100 <laughs> and so it just changes the dynamic of communications and growth and everything so i uh-huh. love that yes all right so what what advice would you give to your 18 year old self to not be in a rush to grow up yes. yeah. uh to have fun being carefree um and to just embrace the journey of life you have I put so much pressure on myself when I was 18 truthfully my whole life of like hit this goal by this deadline and you need to do this by this I never enjoyed a birthday or a new year's because I was always like did I meet my goal Mm -hmm. did I accomplish what I wanted to and I'm sure so many entrepreneurs experience that same thing you're shaking your head like same 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 I when I turned 30 I was like you know I I had a you know, I was pregnant. I was going to have my first baby. I was married. I lived in a beautiful house. I, I had a successful business and I can considered myself a complete and utter failure because I didn't have a million dollars in my bank account, which is the goal I had given myself at 18. You'll have a million dollars in your bank account by 30. And so I'm like, God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Crazy. You just have to trust in the, yeah. pro- if you show up every day, Uh, I talk about positivity a lot. I will positivity into my life. If you show up every day and do right by people, good karma will come your way and life will have a plan. Mm. It won't always be easy. Things will change dramatically and you will have really, really difficult days. Yes. You you could have really difficult years. Yeah. Um, Mm. But if you continue to be a good person and work on yourself, Mm -hmm. uh, 
there the plan for life could be so much bigger than you ever imagined it to be. Yes. And now when people ask me, where do you see yourself in five years or in 10 years? Truthfully, I have no damn clue because a year ago I couldn't even imagine that this is where I would be today. Yeah. And so I'm just enjoying the journey of life. Do I have things I want to accomplish? Yeah, of course we yes. all do, yes. but I'm not giving myself a deadline because yeah. I think life has just a much, much bigger plan. Absolutely. Yes, Absolutely. All right. Well, Bianca, <laughs> this has been amazing. But Incredible. one last question. What do you wish more people knew? <sighs> I wish people knew um, embodied being a lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. You can learn. I love learning. Like yes. You can learn from everything. Yes. Your interaction in a restaurant, mm-hmm. the way you wake up in the morning, the sound of your alarm, uh, your mom's attitude, your kid's demeanor. Like yeah. you can be learning and studying everything. Yeah. And if you take all of those bits and pieces mm-hmm. and formulate who you are as a person um, and continue to learn and evolve with that, that is so, so powerful. It will make you more relatable. It will make you more empathetic. Yes. Um, it will just make you a stronger individual and a partner and a parent or a kid, a sibling, a coworker. It's just going to, it will change your whole life if you embody, uh, lifelong learning and a growth mindset where you can grow and you can do Mm -hmm. anything in any circumstance. Oh, I agree. I agree. Be a student of life because (sighs) that's, it's, it's the best thing we can do as, as people, Mm -hmm. you know, and embracing all that life has to teach us. Exactly. Good and bad. Absolutely. Equal. Well, thank you so much. Um, so you can find Bianca on prettypowerfulpodcast.com, but also how else can they find you? I'm very big on Instagram, TikTok. Yes. Visit me on my website, but Instagram's big, so please find me there. Oh, and HBO, duh. Yeah. Well, there's that little show <laughs> yeah, that, that show you too. also are on. <laughs> I love it. So, Bianca D'Alessio. D'Alessio. Gosh, that's a yeah. mouthful of a name, I but I love it. It's so Italian, <laughs> D'Alessio. <laughs> Such a good name. So thank you so much, Bianca. I really enjoyed this. You thank are so you. amazing. And just keep crushing it. You thank are you. just doing everything right. I thank love it. Thank you. Not everything, but thank well, you. I will take the compliment. <laughs> that's all right. It's all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. My all pleasure. Right. Everybody have an amazing day. Thank you for joining our guests on the Pretty Powerful Podcast. And we hope you've gained new insight and learned from exceptional women. Remember to subscribe or check out this and all episodes on prettypowerfulpodcast.com. Visit us next time. And until then, step into your own power.